trouble, affliction, adversity. These are words that are all too familiar to most of us. We can look at our lives and we can look at the lives of those around us and conclude that life is not easy. We might say that life is hard. And we recognize that even as believers, many of us struggle to respond rightly to adversity. Though we've witnessed God's faithfulness in the past and and we know that he will provide and that he will deliver, we struggle. So how are we to respond to adversity? What is a response that is pleasing to the Lord? Is there hope for the believer in the midst of adversity and trouble and fear? We're going to spend our time this morning in Psalm 34. In Psalm 34, and what we're going to see in this psalm is this. We will experience adversity in this life. We will experience adversity in this life, and we must look to the Lord in the midst of our adversity because He will provide our every need and deliver us according to His good and gracious will. We will experience adversity in this life, and we must look to the Lord in the midst of our adversity because He will provide for our every need. And deliver us according to his good and gracious will. We're helped in our understanding of the context of this psalm by what is written in the introduction. In the introduction we read of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech. So that he drove him out and he went away. We remember that David was a shepherd boy. The one who was summoned to play his harp for King Saul. David would play music and it would, it would soothe the king. We remember David, the shepherd boy, who killed the mighty Goliath and whose military success caused King Saul to envy him. To envy him so much that he tried to kill him. David found himself fearing for his life and on the run from King Saul. And David sought refuge among the enemy, the Philistines. These were the same Philistines who had boasted in their now defeated warrior, Goliath. So David seeks refuge among the Philistines and as he approaches King Achish... His servants recognized David as the one of whom the people sang for his great military conquests. And when David hears these words, his heart is filled with fear. And he decides he's going to act insane before the king. When, David see, or when the king sees David's behavior, he dismisses him. And we learn that David escapes. He escapes to a cave. And so this is the background from which David, under the inspiration of the Spirit, penned the words of Psalm 34. David had narrowly escaped death once again. 
And so I'd invite you to stand now in honor of God as we read Psalm 34 together. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. You may be seated. Father, this morning we seek refuge in you. We ask that you would come and be our teacher. Give us hearts to understand that we may know Christ, our Lord, more fully. We pray in his name. Amen. This psalm opens with David blessing the Lord. And as we seek to answer the question, what is a righteous response to adversity in our lives? We can begin by recognizing that we should bless the Lord as we recount his faithfulness. We should bless the Lord as we recount his faithfulness. David blesses the Lord and then invites the readers to join with him. He begins by telling us what he's doing. Blessing and praising. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Having escaped from the Philistine king, David now boasts in his God. Let me tell you how great my God is. Boasting in God is always appropriate, isn't it? It moves us from exaltation of self to exaltation of God. And so boasting of the Lord... Is appropriate. The humble hear and they are glad. Why? Because the humble too have experienced the goodness of the Lord. 
Do you not rejoice when you hear others telling of the good things that the Lord has done? We find great joy in hearing of the works of the Lord. Believers rejoice with one another in the Lord. And then David invites the readers to come and join him. Won't you come, he says, and magnify the Lord with me? Literally, it says, make great. Will you come and make much of the Lord with me? Consider our gathering here this morning. Is this not what we have come to do? To magnify the Lord through our singing? Through our prayer? Through the preaching of the word? Through our fellowship? Through our giving? We're here to proclaim the goodness of the Lord. Our worship is really just a foretaste of what we're going to spend eternity doing. Where every nation and tribe and people and language will gather before the Lamb and say, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Come and worship the Lord. So this psalm opens with a word of praise from David. I will bless I will praise, I will magnify, I will boast in the Lord. Come and join me, won't you? And so we should ask, our, ask the question, why is David so exuberant? What compels him to worship? We find the answer in what follows, where David recounts what he did and what God did. Remember David's circumstances. David's life was in danger. King Saul had already made an attempt to kill him. And David was forced to leave his best friend, Jonathan. Do we remember the story? He was forced to leave, carrying nothing with him. Perhaps you've been forced to leave one who you love dearly. This was the experience of David. As we read the Psalms, we we ought to enter into the situation that the psalmist is in. So we understand where David is at. He's fearful. He's running for his life. And he must have been at an extreme low at this point in his life because he travels to the enemy king. This is difficult for us. To understand why he would go to the Philistine king. And then he pretends to be insane, as we said. And he narrowly escapes death. And now he's sitting, presumably, we don't know where he was at when he wrote this, but presumably he's in the cave, reflecting on what has just happened. And now he recounts what he did and what the Lord did. He says, I sought the Lord David sought the Lord and he cried to the Lord. Help. He recognized his circumstances were dire. When I am afraid, I will trust in you, David wrote in Psalm 56. He recognized his poverty both physically and spiritually. David had to ask for bread and a sword. He had nothing. 
So in this time of great distress, he sought the Lord. Is this our response? When we find ourselves in difficult circumstances, in adversity, do we seek the Lord? So David seeks the Lord. He cries out to the Lord. And then what does the Lord do? God's response to David's cry was deliverance. The Lord heard his servant David and spared his life. He answered and saved him out of all his troubles. He heard and delivered him from his fears. We bless the Lord because those who look to him will not be ashamed. Do you remember what James says? He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach. Do you see? Our Lord invites us to call upon his name. The Lord welcomes us. He invites the broken and the weary and the fearful to come to him. What causes you to fear this morning? Perhaps you're fearful of the future. You're fearful of your financial circumstances. You're fearful of health, your health, the health of a loved one. Perhaps you're fearful of people. We respond to fear by seeking the Lord. And we remember he welcomes those who recognize their need for him the Lord will surround his people with divine protection. And so David blesses the Lord as he recounts God's faithfulness, and we should do the same. How has God shown his faithfulness to you? Have you seen the Lord's kind provision in your life? Our family spent a few years in a place that was unfamiliar to us, not knowing anyone. This was new territory for us. But it provided an opportunity for us to witness the kind provision of the Lord. Many of you could say something similar. As you reflect on your life and you see the Lord's kindness, his provision for you, ask yourself this morning, from what has the Lord delivered you? If you're a Christian here this morning, the Lord has delivered you from the greatest affliction and given you life, and he's worthy of blessing and of praise for this. So as we consider a righteous response to adversity, not only should we bless the Lord as we recount his faithfulness, but second, we should fear the Lord as we enjoy his provision. We should fear the Lord as we enjoy his provision. In verse 8, David calls the reader to taste and see that the Lord is good. Remember back in verse 3, David had called the people to join him in worship. Remember, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And now he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
test what I've said, says David. Try it out for yourself. You will see that the Lord indeed is good. And you will see that the person who takes refuge in him will be blessed. This is instruction for the whole psalm. Taste and see that the Lord is good. David instructs the reader here to fear the Lord because those who do so will lack nothing. This is an imperative. It's a command. Do this. Fear the Lord. When you fear the Lord, you will lack no good thing. We remember what verse 7 says. Those who fear the Lord will be delivered by the angel of the Lord. And here we see that those who fear the Lord have no lack. So we understand that God delivers and God provides. God delivers and God provides. Remember what we said when we started. We will experience adversity in this life. And we must look to the Lord in the midst of our adversity because he will provide our every need and deliver us according to his good and gracious will. Those who fear him have no lack. This doesn't mean we will be wealthy. It doesn't mean we won't have problems, health problems. It means that God will supply all that we need in order to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. God will provide all that we need in order to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. The Lord gives what is necessary for his children. Consider Psalm 84, verses 11 and 12. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. He's light and he protects. He is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. And then this. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. When we read verses such as this, we are faced with a decision. We're faced with a decision. Will we believe what God says? Will we believe that his word is true? Will we believe that the difficulty that has come into my life is necessary, even needed? Or will we conclude that we don't have the things that we need and that the adversity that we experience is not for our good? We must confess that oftentimes we don't understand the adversity in our lives. Why the cancer? Why the loss? If I only had, then I would be happy. I like what the 19th century commentator William Plummer writes regarding this verse. Listen to what he says. 
among all the redeemed in glory, there is not one who looks back and sees that on earth there was any mistake in the divine conduct towards him. God doeth all things well. We don't understand much in this life. The point that Plummer is making is that God makes no mistakes. He does all things well. Those who fear him have no lack. And so if it's true that those who fear the Lord lack no good thing, it's incumbent upon us to understand, well, what does it mean to fear the Lord? There is fear that grips us. There's fear that keeps us awake at night. There's fear that consumes our thinking throughout the day. Fear of death, fear of failure, fear of people, fear of the future. And the list goes on and on. And we're taught in this psalm to look to the Lord for deliverance from this kind of fear. Remember back in verse 4, David says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from what? From my fears. There's a second kind of fear. This is a healthy fear. A good and right fear. An awe, a reverence. The fear of God. It's the fear of the Lord. It's it's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so David explains to us what it means to fear the Lord. And in verse 11, David assumes the role of a wisdom teacher. Sounds an awful lot like Proverbs 4. And verse 1, which reads, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. David says here, Come, O children, listen to me. I'm going to assume the role of teacher. Listen. Come, O children, listen to me and I will teach you. He begins by making a statement that applies to all people. Right? Who doesn't want to live life? full of of, of many days and of goodness. In other words, who would like to experience life in its fullest? All of us, right? Well, here's what the fear of the Lord looks like, he says. It's action. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. This is what it means to fear the Lord. We might say that Fear of the Lord is obedience. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. But we remember that at the core of this is the heart, isn't it? Jesus taught us that out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks? And so if we're to keep our tongues from evil and our lips from speaking deceit, there must be a change of heart. The heart of stone must be removed and we must be given a heart of flesh. This is the work of the Spirit. The Spirit of God. We receive this by repentance and faith in Christ 
alone. Faith in the one who alone can redeem us. Do the words of our mouth demonstrate a right fear of God in our hearts? Turn from evil, says David. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. In the book of Romans we read, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This is what it means to fear the Lord. It's obedience. It's turning from evil and doing good. Seeking peace and pursuing it. So we should, enjoy, we should fear the Lord as we enjoy his provision. Those who fear the Lord lack no good thing. They're fully provided for. And we recognize that ultimately our provision is found in Jesus Christ. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19 In Christ we have what we need, do we not? In Christ we have life. We have eternal life. We have fullness of joy. We have a new identity. We are children of God. We have purpose. We're called to give glory to God. We're called to go and make disciples. We have purpose. In Christ we have hope. In Christ we have peace. We have relationship. Indeed, we have all that we need. We should fear the Lord as we enjoy his provision. As we've worked our way through Psalm 34, we've been considering how we should rightly respond to adversity. And in this final section, we learn that we should trust in the Lord as we remember his promises. We should trust in the Lord as we remember his promises. Let's consider the promises we find here. In verse 15, the Lord promises to care for the righteous and to judge the wicked. David takes comfort in remembering the promise of God to care for the righteous. We know that God is spirit, so, so God does not have a body. And yet David uses language to help us understand the character of God. He says, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. We can understand this. The Lord sees and hears the prayers and the pleas of his children. Do we remember the children of Israel who were in bondage in Egypt? In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7, God is speaking to his servant Moses from the burning bush. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. Do you hear? The Lord has, has seen and he hears the affliction of his people. 
I know their sufferings, and I have come to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. We're never beyond the gaze of our loving Heavenly Father. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Psalm 139. God cares for his children. He sees them and hears them. He provides for them. He knows when his children are hurting. He knows when his children are being mistreated. He knows when they're being taken advantage of. He knows when they're being falsely accused and abused. The Lord knows. His eyes are toward the righteous. We see a contrast here in verse 16. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. He will cut off the memory of them from the earth. Some have endured tremendous suffering. been treated harshly and you wonder will justice be brought about we learn here that the Lord hears the Lord knows when his children are hurt and he will see to it that evil will be punished evil will be cut off we should trust the Lord as we remember his promises verse 17 reminds us that when the righteous cry for help the Lord hears and delivers What is it? Sometimes when we're hurting, we don't want to seek the Lord. When we're in the midst of adversity, we don't want to seek the Lord. Perhaps we feel too ashamed to cry to God. But Jesus bore our shame. Jesus bore our shame and made a way for us to be reconciled to the Father. Perhaps we feel that the sin that we're struggling with is too grievous to be forgiven. Jesus has forgiven us all our trespasses. We struggle. This sin again? But verse 17 teaches us that when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears. So we should humble ourselves and cry to the Lord to deliver us. And we can do this because of what Christ has accomplished on the cross. He's made a way for us. We've been given access to the Father. Be encouraged 
by remembering that the Lord will not turn away those who cry to him from a heart of faith. We recognize our need and we cry out to our God. And he will supply what is necessary. Not only does God promise to see and hear his afflicted ones, but he promises to be near to the brokenhearted and to save those who are crushed in spirit. When we're down and brokenhearted and our spirits are crushed, sometimes it doesn't feel like the Lord is near. In fact, that's often why we feel like despair is the only response. But our feelings don't change the truth of this statement. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He's compassionate and kind. The Lord dwells within the believer. He's given us his spirit to live in us. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Our God is compassionate. He's a loving Heavenly Father, Psalm 103 says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Do we hear this? Our God shows compassion to his children. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. The Lord is a Savior. He saves. He delivers. He restores. What causes you heartache this morning? What has crushed your spirit? Is it our own sin? We see our failure to respond in a way that's pleasing to the Lord and it grieves us. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. Perhaps it's the sins of others. It's the death of a loved one. It's the loss of a job. It's a less than desirable medical diagnosis. It's watching a child walk away from the Lord. Watching a child make decisions that you know will lead to further trouble and your heart is broken and you lose sleep at night as you toss and turn wondering where this child is. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. When we're tempted to despair, tempted to stop believing the promises of God, we, have, we remember that we have a Savior who has experienced all the struggles and all the suffering that we face. The writer of the book of Hebrews says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been 
tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We should trust in the Lord as we remember his promises. The final verses move us to a climactic ending for in these verses we read of full and final deliverance for the believer. Indeed, the Lord promises to deliver the righteous from condemnation. The Lord promises to deliver the righteous from condemnation. Verse 19 reminds us that this life is full of affliction. If we have a conception of the Christian life as as one that's free from struggle and heartache and pain and suffering, we fail to understand the biblical description of life of a child of God in this age. In this world, you will have tribulation, says our Lord. We suffer affliction because of our own sinful choices. We suffer affliction at the hands of others when they mistreat us and they marginalize us because of our stand for the truth. We suffer affliction in a fallen world where relationships are strained and broken. We suffer affliction as part of God's loving, fatherly discipline as a means of our sanctification and so we readily acknowledge that affliction and adversity are part of our lives but what does it mean that the Lord will deliver us how does the Lord deliver us from all our affliction after all the history of the church bears witness to the affliction of the righteous even to the point of death we must conclude That the deliverance referred to here is our ultimate deliverance from sin and suffering. Deliverance that is found in Jesus Christ alone. Deliverance from this earthly life to an eternal one spent in the presence of our Lord. We're not promised to be freed from every difficulty in this life. John Patton was a missionary to the New Hebrides Islands in the South Pacific in the 1800s. And while living among the natives there, Patton's life was regularly threatened. But his faith in God's perfect plan for his life sustained him. He understood that final deliverance would be found in Christ alone. He tells of an account where his life was in danger. Here's what Patton wrote. My enemies seldom slackened in their hateful designs against my life, however calmed or baffled for the moment. In other words, this just continued. Maybe there was a a, a time briefly where where I wasn't in danger, but it continued. A wild chief followed me around for four hours with his loaded musket. And though often directed towards me, God restrained his hand. I spoke kindly to him. And attended to my work as if, I, as if he had not been there. Fully persuaded that my God had placed me there. And would protect me till my allotted task was finished. God will not allow anything to happen to us that would thwart his purposes for us. Not a sparrow falls to the ground apart from the Lord's knowledge. 
The Lord will deliver the righteous, but the wicked will be condemned. There is warning here to those who are not trusting in Christ. If you're not trusting in Christ, you're still under the wrath of God. The wrath of God remains on you. It's a fearful place to be. You may say, I don't hate the righteous. I don't hate Christians. In fact, I think they're all right. But Jesus says you're either for him or you're against him. There is no middle ground. And so the call this morning is to come to Jesus. To repent of sin and to believe that he alone offers salvation. It's to put your faith in Christ and so be spared from the wrath that is to come. Psalm 34 then reaches its pinnacle with the final verse. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Yes, in this life we will have affliction. Much adversity, much trouble, But know this for certain. If we have made the Lord Jesus Christ our refuge, we will not be condemned. Can there be any more glorious news? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is our full and final and ultimate deliverance. We all would readily acknowledge that life is full of adversity. And we often struggle to respond rightly to this adversity. But we've been given an example here in this psalm of ways that we should respond to the adversity in our lives we remember that we must look to the Lord, to the one who will provide our every need and deliver us according to his good and gracious will. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Father, we thank you this morning that you are good and that you are faithful. Cause us to worship you with joy in our hearts for what you have done and what you promise to do. In Christ's name we pray, amen.